Well, listeners, it is Friday, and whilst I am clearly a little bit dopey and need a little bit more coffee in order to get going, I am glad to be with you for questions and answers on this glorious day. I'm looking forward to your questions and answers coming in. This is really important. If you don't ask questions, we kind of sit here with uh, radio silence until you join. So I am super excited for what is puzzling you, what is intriguing you, all the things that you have noticed in God's Word that you would like to share and start the conversation off. I'm looking forward to those interactions and those engagements this morning. I'm going to tell you how you can join the conversation. Um, Number one, you can drop a comment onto Facebook. I will see that live in studio. That is on our Facebook page, Radio Pulpit, Radio Console. If you go there, you'll see that we're currently live streaming. You'll see the beautiful blue background. I'm wearing my Springback Rugby t-shirt because it is game weekend. I'm looking forward to seeing the South African team trounce those New Zealanders uh, tomorrow on Friday. We're actually watching the game at our church we're going to be gathering together with other saints brides in the background and sizzle of chops at half time um, while we sing the national anthem passionately uh, and enjoy a game of rugby tomorrow I think the game starts at oh, I know the game starts at 5 I'm looking forward to watching it um, I, I was actually telling you how you can join the conversation wasn't I so um, you can go to our Facebook page where there is a blue background and I am wearing a green shirt and uh, we are presently live streaming. You can drop a comment there. Um, the Facebook page is Radio Pulpit, uh, Radio Console. And you know what? If you ask a question on that platform, whether I get back to you, uh, whether we answer that question in the show, because sometimes the questions flood in and there's not enough time, or I answer the question after the show, your question will be answered. I really do look forward to the engagement on that platform. If you would like to send in a voice note so that we can hear your voice, I think of a regular voice note contributors like Gogo Hannah, you can drop a WhatsApp or a Telegram on 082-657-2729. I'm going to repeat the number in a while, but just to say it's the kind of number that you want to save to your phone, save it to your contact list. You might not ask a question uh, this morning, but you might want to ask a question next week. And so it's a handy number to have with you. Let me repeat it for you. It is 082-657-2729. 2729. I'm looking forward to engaging with you. And uh, if you're on Twitter, you can use the Twitter handle at 657 AM. Looking forward to those engagements. There have been a couple of people that have sent shout outs. Uh, Jennifer, uh, Jennifer, <laughs> oh no, Friday. Jennifer. Peterson uh, says hi good morning I'm listening from the Cape always great to have Cape callers on the line Jennifer thank you so much for engaging uh, feel free to ask a question Susan Funderberg says listening on my phone but normally on DSTV it's remarkable how many different channels we can engage with talk radio today I, I can remember as a kid I, I've always loved talk radio um, we, we had the choice between Radio 5 and uh, uh, 702 when I was a 
kid driving in um, to uh, a school uh, in the mornings. And if it was a choice between music and talk radio, I always opted for talk radio and have loved been involved in talk radio on Radio Pulpit uh, on Friday mornings. Uh, Susan van der Berg, I'm glad that you are with us on DSTV and I'm glad that you get to listen on DSTV or your phone uh, regularly. Uh, Lenora, uh, Lenora is listening from Pretoria. Hey, Lenora from Pretoria, my neck of the wood on my cell phone. Uh, it's good to have you with us. I see that we have comments from a number of other people. We have comments I see from Quibus and we have comments uh, from Koti and we have comments from Shalom and we have comments in from Hazel. Uh, thank you so much guys for each one of those interactions. It's always great to be joined by you on uh, on Fridays, uh, if you're listening in, uh, if you m- you might not have a um, particular question that you want to ask in terms of the Bible right now, but you might have a favorite verse or a favorite passage that you'd like to share to kick the conversation off, I'd encourage you to send it on any of those platforms. Uh, even as we listen, uh, you can share a verse that encourages you, a verse that intrigues you, um, a verse which uh, causes you to smile or reminds you of of God's grace and faithfulness. I'll share with you, um, even in starting, a verse that I have been dwelling on and enjoying over the last uh, uh, couple of days. I think I might have used it as a call to worship at one of our church services this past Sunday. Um, It came from Psalm 145. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. There's so much going on in those three verses. If I didn't use it last week as a call to worship, I'll definitely use it this week as a call to worship. There's so much going on in those verses. For a start, it's it's a psalm of David, right? And yet David's opening lines is, I will extol you, my God and King. Um, Obviously in the English, God and King are both capitalized because it's referring to God. But yeah, we have a picture of of David, uh, the King, um, extolling, worshiping, praising God as King. Um, Obviously a foreshadowing of this of this biblical truth that God is in fact King of Kings and Lord of Lords, which is obviously a a foreshadowing of this wonderful truth that we learn about more fully in the New Testament, that Jesus Christ is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's said explicitly in the book of uh, Philippians chapter 2, where there is a wonderful Christologically deep and rich conversation of King Jesus um, in that passage that absolutely lifts me up. In this psalm we have David extolling, worshipping, praising God as King, blessing your name forever and ever. And just this realization that in uh, the book of Psalms and David, even as he sings, um, recognizes the forever state of human existence. Friends, we were not designed and built for lifespans of 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 or 70 years. 
in fact we grieve when we lose loved ones and people that we cherish uh, never mind what their age is we were built for eternity uh, Adam and Eve were built to be in the presence of God forever and ever that's what the tree of life was all about and yet because of sin because we live in a fallen world because through Adam one man's sin has come to all men including Mark and everyone that I know so to death comes to all men and yet David says that he will worship God forever and ever I don't think he's just using hyperbole yeah he's not just saying it's as if my praises rise to you forever and ever I think David, as we read in the books of Samuel, even as he grieves the death of his own uh, son, um, uh, the son of Bathsheba, David recognizes that he will be united with that son in an eternal state. And yeah, recognizes that there will come a time where he stands before God, who is the king. And whether Jesus, uh, whether Jesus, whether David knew that that would be Jesus or not, um, right now he, he is acknowledging that he will stand before God who is the king and he will praise him and those praises will go on forever and ever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. And then this repeated idea, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. Just a couple of things there, this threefold repetition of the word great. Um, God is great. He's magnificent. I, I, I love, I really enjoy maths. I really enjoy science. I am the quintessential nerd. And uh, uh, it turns out that Facebook knows that I enjoy maths and science. And they're forever giving me um, these 10-minute 20 minute math and science videos uh, on really nerdy things but one of the things that I really enjoy is is cosmology and uh, and 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 just gazing at the stars and the science and the and the math around God's created order uh, the 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 wonder of the universe which is so incredibly large <laughs> we sit on this small blue marble suspended in space in the in the middle of a relatively insignificant solar system in the midst of the milky way galaxy and so things uh, expand outward over and over and over again and if you're a believer if you look in wonder at the stars above and are able to declare uh, that that they are one Wonderful and 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 incredibly amazingly made. Even as you declare along with David uh, again, uh, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaim His handiwork. You acknowledge just the greatness of God. I mean, I mean David at the time of writing this would have seen about six thousand stars, maybe a little bit more, with with his eye as he looked up from you know a shepherd's field or from a king's palace at the night sky and contemplated the greatness of God. We, with telescopes like the Hubble telescope and other telescopes, can can reach much further into space. Uh, all of a sudden, the numbers start to boggle the mind uh, a number that comes to mind I think is 7 to the power of 23 stars which is a number that I can't even wrap my head around it is so big in terms of the number of stars which which exist within the context of our universe um, David says over and over again great great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable 
David knew what we are finding out, that God is without equal, that God is full of splendor, that God is majestic, that God is amazing, and that he is worthy of all praise. Even as I read Psalm 145, the first three verses of it, and I think of Sunday service, which is coming, and of the joy of reading the call to worship, the call to God's people to praise God at the beginning of the service. Even as I, I start to think about that, actually, I'm, I'm elevated. My, my heart is, is raised. I'm, I'm filled with joy at coming together with God's people and singing praises to this great God who is worthy of our praise. Folk, uh, I do want to say thanks to those who are commenting on Facebook and commenting on WhatsApp. We've got a couple of WhatsApps that have come in. Um, Mark verse 4 and Psalm 27 together with Psalm 84 verse 4 are some of my favorite verses. This comes in through uh, from Tinker. And Tinker, I, I recognize your name. You're a you're a long-time listener at this stage. Uh, I want to read uh, those two verses uh, in Psalm 27, verse 4. Verse 3 reads, Though an army encamp against me, my heart will not fear. The war rise against me, even in this I am confident. <laughs> the one thing I have asked of the Lord, and that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord in his presence uh, that's in brackets it's added uh, i assume this is an amplified version all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty and again in brackets the delightful loveliness and majestic grandeur those are words that i've used <laughs> as i as i thought about psalm 145 uh, tinker of the lord and to meditate in his temple man what what incredible what incredible verses and, and and certainly uplifting even as we read them tinker um certainly uplifting uh, a couple of things uh, just in terms of observation of verse four uh, this idea of dwell in the house of the lord where else have we seen this i i, I think of of this idea in psalm 21 obviously kind of everyone's favorite psalm or at least the 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 best um um uh, sorry, did I just say Psalm 21? Um, I, I meant to say uh, Psalm, um, uh, now I'm in Psalm 19, Psalm 23. <laughs> that sounds a bit, that sounds a bit better. As we get to Psalm 23, it's this idea of the Lord being my shepherd. And as we get to the end of the Lord is my shepherd in verse 6, we read those those that verse again surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and i shall dwell in the house of the lord forever this idea of the house of the lord um the splendor and the majesty of god and his eternal presence in heaven above the psalmist in psalm 23 and the psalmist in psalm 27 appealing to the same imagery uh, in poetry this idea of being in the house of the lord um in psalm 23 and in psalm 27 it's all the days of my life except in psalm 23 it's extended to forever and ever um 
and in Psalm 27 to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple and um, the beauty of the Lord the majesty of the Lord the grandeur of the Lord the the delightful loveliness of the Lord I like the way that the Amplified brings that out and um, just an absolutely beautiful picture uh, of us worshiping God forever and ever now we get an inkling of that kind of a a snapshot of that in Sunday worship, right? When we gather together with God's saints, when we come together in a time which has been set aside to worship Almighty God on the first day of the week, Sunday, uh, when we gather together with God's people and worship Jesus Christ as our God and our King. Now, throwing back to Psalm 145, as we sing songs of praise, as we read from God's Word, as we hear the teaching of God's Word, as we see God's Word in the ordinances, baptism, and in the Lord's Supper, as we go about the Lord's Day praises and worship we get an inkling of uh, of this idea and, and sometimes it has even been as if I have been transported into the presence of God as I have even openly wept in fact that happens most Sundays openly wept during corporate worship as we worship God and um, we get a sense, uh, sometimes a corporate sense of his presence, knowing that he is always with us even to the end of the age. I'm thinking of the end of the book of Matthew chapter 28. Um, but we get an idea, a sense of his corporate presence as we gather together for worship. But friends, the hope of the believer is the hope of Psalm 27 and the hope of Psalm 23 and the hope of Psalm 145 that these these snapshots of awesome praise and worship of Almighty God might be realized in their full one day when we stand before Christ in resurrected glory and praise him for all eternity. I think I'm very encouraged by Psalm 27 verse 4. Thank you so much uh, even for posting them to us. Um, Tinker goes on and says that she's listening in from Robertson on Open View on TV. And Psalm 27 again this morning just blessed me so much. Man, isn't it amazing again how many and the diversity of uh, listeners uh, to the show this morning. We've had DSTV, we've had uh, Facebook, we have had uh, Open View. And I have no doubt that there's somebody who's driving in between cities that's listening in this morning uh, on AM Frequency. However you are listening, again, it is good to be with you this morning. Folk, I can't believe that we're at the top of the hour. We have a number of questions coming up. We have a couple of uh, uh, favorite verses and psalms coming up from Mems, from Michael, uh, from Teresa, and from others. I am looking forward to delving into those. But at the top of the hour, we are going to take a short break. We are going to listen to some songs and hear some advertisement. Um, to kick us off, Christ is Risen by Matt Mayha. Uh, listen to the song and I look forward to joining you for the second hour of the show weekend is here already time has flown this week it is crazy but I am looking forward to the weekend I'm looking forward to the weekend because I love Sundays I really do love Sundays I love being with God's people I love singing God's praise I, I love his word and I love growing and being edified and built up in his word and so I, I really love Sundays can't wait for church on Sunday um, and I am also um, as a very distant second place <laughs> Looking forward to watching the Springbacks. Absolutely 
Pummel, New Zealand, on Friday, on Saturday afternoon. Uh, Saturday afternoon at 5 o'clock. I love singing the national anthem. I love cheering for the Boca. I love it when we get those uh, rolling malls going. I love it when we win uh, scrums. Uh, I love it when we put tries over the over the line. I love it when we convert. I'm looking forward to a great game. I'm lo- actually looking forward to enjoying the game together with other Saints. We're going to be watching the game at church on Sunday. Uh, we're going to have Bryce sizzling in the background and uh, and so get to experience the excitement um, of the game together with other believers. I'm, I'm really looking forward uh, to this weekend. It should be a great weekend. This morning as I came into uh, Radio Pulpit, it looked like it was a wonderful weekend outside. Um, I did hear that the weather is somewhat grotty down in Cape Town. Uh, there's a wind howling and maybe a couple of clouds in the sky. Um, but up here in Gauteng, it was. it seemed as if it was relatively blue skies, if I remember correctly. Um, and I'm looking forward to some good weather for the game up here at altitude uh, as the Bucks play in New Zealand because that also is a bit of a factor as the bomb squad comes on in the second half. Um, um, we do seem to have legs which go the whole way through the game. Um, <laughs> you can see I'm going to enjoy the game uh, this uh, the, this weekend. Folk, a couple of questions have come in and a number of comments have come in as we've been uh, on the show this morning. I do want to tell you how you can get involved in asking a question or it in putting forward a, a favorite verse that you love uh, this morning. Uh, there are a number of ways that you can join the conversation. Uh, you can send in a voice note or a question to WhatsApp or Telegram. The telephone number is 082-657-2729. You can twit on at 657AM and you can drop a comment on Facebook. We're currently live streaming on the Radio Pulpit Radio Console Facebook page. I am looking forward to engaging with your questions. Thank you for uh, Tinker who kicked us off this morning uh, with a great passage from Psalm 27 verse 3 and 4 in particular that was really, really helpful and certainly um, uh, caused my heart to soar. Mems writes in and says, A.M. Uh, <laughs> you can see I need another cup of coffee. He says, Amen. Good morning. Love Psalm 45 and I'm listening to you. Praise God. Mems, thank you so much for interacting and engaging with us this morning. Friends, you might remember uh, two weeks ago uh, we had a question that came in. It was regarding a church. It was regarding uh, a pastor. Door, um, uh, if I remember correctly, it came in from a person named Michael. Uh, there's a comment this morning which says, Good morning, Pastor Mark. Two weeks ago, you gave me some wise counsel and some sound advice. I did run from that church as fast as I, as fast as I could. That's right, I remember saying run. <laughs> For this, I'm very thankful and grateful. My question today is it correct to view God the Father as the manager, organizer of the Divine Trinity, considering the sending of Christ and then the Holy Spirit? Uh, is my understanding incorrect, Pastor? Which is an interesting way of asking a question uh, in terms of the, the negative, Michael. Thank you so much for asking the question. When it comes to the Trinity, we are talking about something which is so intrinsic and so important to an orthodox understanding of the Christian faith. The Trinity is something that we do. We need to ponder on often. We need to go over um, frequently. We, we really do need to 
to to continue to go back and review both our understanding, our doctrine, uh, and passages uh, around the Trinity in, in order to make sure that we're as sharp as we possibly can be. Uh, because the Trinity is really a discussion about God. It's a discussion about who God is. It's a discussion about uh, about what God is, about w- what God does, and how God does it. Uh, it's a discussion uh, which really gets to the heart of our faith. I want to start off by just illustrating, well certainly I've got the illustration in my mind, although I can't plant the illustration in front of you if you're listening, Um, but I do want to describe how I understand the Trinity to operate. Um, Firstly, we talk when we talk about the Trinity of one God. God is one. Um, That is made clear abundantly throughout both the Old and the New Testament. Um, Maybe to give you some scripture references which are are worth going and checking out to make sure that what I'm saying lines up with scripture. Um, You could go and take a look at a memory verse, Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord. Lord is one. And if I remember correctly, the Lord there uh, would be capitalized in your New Test uh, in your English translation. Uh, it me it's talking of the covenantal um personal name for God, Yahweh. Um and God there um is referring to uh, in fact I, I'll go and check that um right now. Let me just pull up a, um a, an original language and just make sure that what I'm saying is true because I don't want to lead you lead you astray and give you an incorrect um, uh, you know when it comes to spelling Deuteronomy I don't know why but I always get the U and the E (laughs) the wrong way around and you would think after so many years of writing down Deuteronomy I'd have it by now now I am correct Um, so um, the Lord is well Yehovah Yahweh it's the the tetragrammaton it's the it's the personal covenantal name for God Um, and then it's our God God and that's Elohim. Uh, Elohim really uh, uh, refers to the might of God, um, uh, and uh, um, yeah, uh, to the to the might of God. It's it's interesting. Um, the Lord, um, this covenantal name for God, followed by our God, which is spoken about in Genesis chapter one. Uh, Elohim. Uh, interesting that it is actually a plural word uh, in Hebrew. It doesn't have all the connotations that we speak about in English in terms of plurality, but it. But it is, I guess, in some ways a shadow of further teaching which is uh, worked out the whole way through the Old Testament and then certainly confirmed in the New. But Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4, in terms of the oneness of God, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. If we turn to the New Testament, this is confirmed in a number of places. Um, but for example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 4, currently going through the book of Corinthians in our evening service. We're in chapter 6 at the moment. We're about to hit the chapter uh, in terms of marital relationships in chapter 7 uh, from next week. But in chapter 8, verse 4, we read, Therefore, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that an idol has no real existence and that there is no God but one. Galatians chapter 3 verse 20 says um, now the intermediary implies more than one but God is one. And then very important passage 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 5 for there is one God 
and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. God is one. And so as we start off by talking about the Trinity, I do want to affirm that God is one. Secondly, when we talk about the Trinity, I want to affirm that God is one God in three persons. Now I've chosen that word persons very carefully. God is one God in three persons. It's not God is one God with three roles at various different times. Some people incorrectly believe in actual fact it is a um it is a heresy, it is heterodoxy, uh, it is incorrect belief that God is one God that appears in different ways at different times, sometimes as Father, sometimes as Son, sometimes as Holy Spirit. They might talk about an age of God the Father in the Old Testament, an age of God the Son in the Gospels, an age of the Holy Spirit in Acts and beyond, that God manifests in different ways, that there's one God with three manifestations. This is wrong there's one God in three persons and those three persons are Father Son and the Holy Spirit the implication of this is that the Father is God the Son is God the Holy Spirit is God that they are of one essential nature they are of one essence so that the Son Jesus Christ his essence is that of God the Father his essence is that of God and the Holy Spirit his essence is of that of God they are as the Nicene Creed I think says light from light God God from God light from light true God from true God um, of one essence um, of one being and um, that there's one God in three persons a further implication now this is important even as we acknowledge that there's one God and that the Father is God and that the Son is God and that the Spirit is God we acknowledge that the Father is not the Son and the Son is not the Spirit and the Spirit is not the Father and um, this really ends up looking like a shield with God in the center and the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit um, being at the triangular parts of the shield um, each connecting to God in the center saying that the Father is God the Son is God the Holy Spirit is God but then this recognition filling up the shield of faith um, that the Father is not the Son the Son is not the Spirit and the Spirit is not the Father now this becomes very important to note because if we confound um, the Son with the Spirit and with the Father if we confuse um, the roles if we confuse the persons of the Trinity what we end up with is a God of our own imagination and not the God which is presented to us very clearly in scripture and um, to demonstrate the the Trinity the that the Trinity consists of three persons we would start in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and we would reference we would note that the God that is referred to in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 uh, is Elohim uh, it is a plural word now this word is is given a little bit more um, complexity so God is simple he's one and yet God is is complex in that he is made up of of three persons and um, this is this is made a little bit more uh, given a little bit more um, substance in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 then God said let us I mean that 
that, that immediately implies plurality. Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. We see, we see that God is one. He is presented as one the whole way through scripture and yet God himself says let us make man in our own image Uh, you can reference God speaking to God again in Genesis chapter 3 verse 22 Um, after the fall God the Lord God the Lord and he has a compound of those two words again Lord Yahweh and God the, the covenant name of God and God Elohim said the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil now lest he rest out his hand and also take of the tree of life and eat and live forever and and so um, he pronounces uh, restrictions in terms of man's access to the Garden of Eden. The point here, though, is that God is one, and yet even Genesis presents God as plural in terms of personhood. And this idea is developed um, as we go through scriptures. Um, I, I think of um, uh, of that great picture. Uh, in Isaiah. Now now Isaiah 6 is just such an important passage. Uh, We have this picture as Isaiah sees God in all of his splendor, his robe filling um, the temple. Um, This just amazing picture of the Lord, of Yahweh. It's referenced, I'm fairly sure the reference, I looked it up actually last week, uh, is in John. I'm going to go with 13. It might be John 12 uh, verse 27 rings a bell but I might go and take a look at that shortly um, but, but Isaiah says that he beheld the glory of Christ and and it's clear because he actually is quoting from Isaiah 6 that, that he's referring that it's in fact Jesus that is appearing in this great vision uh, in Isaiah chapter 6 but in, in Isaiah chapter 6 Isaiah you might remember a coal is, is put on his lips he is prepared to be the spokesman for God and in verse 8 we hear these words and I heard the voice of the Lord saying whom shall I send who will go for us this idea of the unity of God and the um, the plurality of the persons of the Trinity uh, you can see this playing out in particularly in Isaiah uh, in other passages uh, Isaiah 48:16 you might want to jot down Isaiah 61 verse 1 you might want to jot down and then we come to the New Testament and the New Testament as revelation is progressively given to us the New Testament really fleshes out the personhoods uh, of God that God is one and yet in three persons uh, obviously the, the the start of that great demonstration um, well not the start I, I guess you could make the point right from John chapter 1 verse 1 in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God the deity of Christ the word the 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 presence of Jesus Christ being with being with the idea of toward um, God the Father in eternity past, but this is fleshed out and, and made visual for us, particularly in the incarnation. That word incarnation, crazy big theological and technical word, um, for Jesus Christ taking on human flesh and dwelling among us Uh, even those words are very important Jesus wasn't eternally human Um, Jesus in eternity past was with the Father and the Son and he was eternally the Son of God Um, but 
at the incarnation he took on human flesh and um, he took on a second nature so that Jesus is both God and man not 50% God and 50% man part God and part man um, you know man Monday to Saturday and God on Sunday no Jesus is God all the time and Jesus even into eternity future is is man all the time he is the God man uh, he took on human flesh uh, we talk about the hypostatic union or the kenosis of Christ and we get those kinds of words from Philippians chapter 2 that Christological passage that we spoke about before where I'm going with this though is that at Christ's baptism we see the three persons of the Holy Trinity present at the baptism of Jesus Christ and when Jesus was baptized in Matthew chapter 3 verse 16 immediately he went up from the water I mean we could talk about water baptism till the cows come home but no one's asked that question <laughs> um, that's just a joke I think we spoke about water baptism last week when Jesus was baptized immediately he went up from the water and behold the heavens were open to him and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him and behold a voice from heaven said this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased uh, we see um, God the Father speaking over God the Son again at the Transfiguration we see um, uh, this 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 personhood of the Trinity on display precisely because Jesus came and dwelt amongst us tabernacled with us Emmanuel God with us um, I think of the, the the formula for baptism at the end of Matthew chapter 28 I spoke about Jesus being with us earlier um, in the show but in Matthew chapter 28 we're told to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations and uh, and but before we are to um, make disciples of all nations, we are to baptize them in the name of the Father. Did I say before? <laughs> no, no, no. Hang on. Wait. Sorry. Let me repeat that. Go into the world. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age the the point here though is that baptism is to be in the name and the idea of name here is authority um it's the idea of the authority and everything that encompasses a person is encompassed in their name we are to be baptized in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit um and we see this happening in the New Testament we see this happening in the New Testament church them baptizing immersing um, and we see this happening um, not just in the name of the Father as if God is the Father and God isn't the Son of the Spirit we see it explicitly in the name of Jesus Christ in Acts chapter 2 uh, and in other parts of the book of Acts the bottom line is we serve a God who is one one person uh, one God in three persons what we call the Trinity um, and uh, I hope as we uh, ponder on that we get an idea of the Trinity now each person of the Trinity and this gets to Michael's <laughs> Michael's question Michael I'm so sorry that that took so long but 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 to understand the Trinity really does boggle the mind and probably needs to be put in front of us when we speak about the Trinity 
when it comes to the Trinity, each person, each um, each person in the Trinity performs different roles and different functions. Um, it is not true to say that the Holy Spirit died on the cross. It's not true to say that God the Father died on the cross. On the cross, Jesus Christ, the Son, died for the sins of mankind as the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. The wrath of God was poured out on his Son on the cross. And so we can functionally say that Jesus Christ died on the cross. The Holy Spirit did not die on the cross. The Father did not die on the cross. One God in three persons having different functions and, and, and doing different things. Sometimes doing very similar things. I, I was I was studying with interest this week of the work of the Holy Spirit and, and recognizing that one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is make intercession for us. Well, we know that Jesus makes intercession for us. He's standing at the right hand of the Father in heaven and he is interceding for us um, constantly, all day. Praise the Lord, because of the sinner I am, I have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. Um, but one of the things that Jesus does on my behalf is he intercedes. One of the things that the Holy Spirit does is he intercedes in that he He translates my prayers as weak and sometimes as frivolous or as um, as as poor as they are. He translates them. He, he intercedes. He, he makes sure that they, he translates them into into prayers which are God honoring and according to the will of God and sometimes when I just groan um, the Bible talks about this um, prayers um, because I don't even have words to say the kind maybe you're in this place right now you don't even have words to say what is on your heart or what you're feeling or the difficulties that you're going through you, you don't know what to cry out before before his throne of grace and so your prayers are like groans before God it is the Holy Spirit who intercedes for you so there's a sense that that uh, that the Godhead um, does a, a multiplicity of tasks and sometimes there's a lot of overlap in that task but there certainly are different roles and different functions within the Godhead now you're talking about a very interesting one in fact one of the first major splits in the church is around the sending of Jesus Christ and the sending of the Holy Spirit. Uh, you can read about that. In fact, uh, again, I, I spoke about the Nicene Creed. I'm, I'm fairly sure that the Nicene Creed has the clause in it that I'm referring to. Uh, I'm just uh, going and uh, taking a look at the creed itself um, uh, in terms of who sends out who. Um, uh, or is it the apostles creed it might be the apostles creed i'm i'm following up on my <laughs> i'm asking questions myself while i'm <laughs> while i'm thinking through this um but michael you ask a very particular question is it correct to view god the father as the manager or organizer of the divine trinity now i i, I mean I, I don't know exactly what you mean by the question michael but but those ideas of organizer um, or, or manager um, uh, you, you're talking about it in terms of the sending uh, we do see this idea of of the idea the, um, the, 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 the the functions of the father um, being that of um, of of coming up with kind of like the big master plans um, uh, in terms of faith of redemption and of those things um, I'd looked up a document while we were talking um, the distinct roles of the Trinity written by Wayne Gridham Wayne Gridham by the way has an excellent systematic theology Michael if you're looking if you're wanting to study the Holy Spirit my suggestion is 
don't study the doctrine of the Holy Spirit or the doctrine of the Trinity or the doctrine of God um, just by YouTube videos, uh, do yourself a favor, invest in a good systematic theology. I can recommend without qualification um, Biblical Doctrine, which is by Mayhew and MacArthur, an excellent systematic. Um, one of my favorite systematics, which I have read as a set work book uh, almost my whole Christian life. I don't know where it is now. I think I lent it out to someone. Um, but there is a um, basic doctrine, I think it is, um, by uh, Charles Ryrie. Um, a good, simple to read and simple to understand systematic. The third systematic that I, I can certainly recommend is Grudem's systematic. I think it's called Systematic Theology. Um, and it would be available at any good bookstore or available online. Bookstores up here in Gateng would include Augustine Bookram as well as Good Neighbors and I would imagine that CBD which is Christian Book Discounters would carry um, that particular systematic as well um, Wayne Grudem's systematic uh, is well worth having on your shelf if you if you're collecting systematics I certainly do um, and he talks about um, the, the different functions and roles simply being an outworking of the eternal relationship between the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit they don't in any way that they perform different functions, they don't in any way diminish the deity or the attributes or the essential nature of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit the distinction is, is simply um, in the way that they relate to one another and the way that they relate to their creation um, and so it is well to say that um, in marriage, for example, two distinct persons come together, a, a husband and a wife, and they come together in a one flesh relationship. As a wife, as a husband and a wife, they have equal standing, they have equal value and personhood before God, but they also have distinct roles within the context of the marriage relationship. Well, just as the father has authority over the son, so in marriage, a husband has authority over his wife and Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 3, the head of every man is Christ and the head of a wife is her husband and the head of Christ is God. Um, even though that might be difficult to comprehend and to figure out how that relationship between Jesus Christ and the Father exists in terms of the Father, uh, the Son submitting to the Father, um, we must acknowledge that it in no way diminishes anything in terms of his value, um, in terms of his uh, standing or his personhood. Uh, Jesus Christ remains God. I guess some of that is resolved as we understand what submission is. It is willfully bringing oneself underneath the order of another it in no way relinquishes power or uh, esteem um, and certainly in Christ we see that um, manifest um, another example might be that the um, the diversity is seen in a church which has many members all with different skills um, but we're all one body we're brought together with one purpose um, uh, you can think of the ethnic makeup of the church which includes folk from every nation and all tribes and all people and all language however that diversity um, adds a complexity which shows the wisdom of God in allowing uh, both unity and, our and diversity to exist within, within this one organization so too God is one and yet there is a diversity of persons personhood within the Holy Trinity as to what those persons do and you were asking directly around manager and organizer of the divine trinity uh, you can think of in redemption um, God plans 
Uh, it is the Son who executes. It is the Holy Spirit which which um, which achieves. Um, God plans. He He plans out the story of redemption in eternity past. Um, the Holy Spirit comes and He executes the plan of the Father. He comes into this world. He lives a perfect life. He goes to a cross and dies for sins that He did not commit as a substitute. He bears the wrath of God uh, against sinners and against against and and dies for the sin of man uh, his blood is spilt he achieves the plan of god the father but friend it is the holy spirit who draws us who woos us to himself um, it is the holy spirit who opens our eyes that we might see jesus christ it is the holy spirit who comes and convicts the world of of sin and of righteousness and of the judgment to come each person performing a slightly different role or function in the context of the redemption of man we see this in creation as well um uh, god the father um uh, planning creation um authoring creation jesus christ um executing creation through him all things are created the holy spirit involved in creation hovering uh, over the deep um involved in all aspects we see this in the resurrection of jesus christ uh, we see different passages uh, in scripture affirming that god the father rose jesus that the holy spirit rose jesus to life that jesus himself said i lay down my life and i will take it up um the the bottom line is we we see functionally um the the persons of the trinity um uh, functionally performing roles and uh is it a correct view that the father is the manager or the organizer of the divine trinity well as we read um and i'm fairly certain it's in the apostles creed because i did take a very quick flyby um of the um of the nicene creed um uh, uh, you know i'm reading through the apostles creed and the apostles creed is um is trinitarian <laughs> oh no I'm, I'm getting this mixed up i'm gonna have to go and check out my my creeds during the next break um but it is true to say that the father sent the son and it's also true to say that the holy spirit is sent by the father and the son although this is contended um uh, in terms of church history uh, through many ages uh, there was a great split between uh, the Catholic Church the Western Church uh, and the uh, Greek Orthodox the, the, the Eastern Church uh, over this very issue um, but it is true to say that the sending does originate uh, with the Father that that is where it starts he starts by sending out the Son later on we know uh, in the book of John that Jesus promises that he will send the Spirit and praise the Lord that he does because his Holy Spirit resides with us even still um, wow that was a that was a relatively long answer to a great question Michael thanks so much for asking it uh, I do trust that you are growing in the Lord and that you have found a local church that you can connect with and grow with um, and glorify God together with his people with uh, I do see that a number of other questions have come in there's a question by from Teresa there's a question from Jean um, let's go quickly to Jean because it's related to the um, to the Trinity Jean says hi Mark thanks for the info from 4SA 
Regarding God's names, Yahweh Elohim, we had a teaching on his names this past Sunday. Very good. <laughs> well, that's great. And, I, I you know, I, Gene attends a church in Vitbank, um, Faith Baptist Church. Um, I have a friend, uh, Clive, who is the pastor there. I have no doubt that this past Sunday sermon um, was great. Um, lovely to hear your uh Question. Uh, lovely to uh, hear that uh, comment, uh, Jean. A question has come in. I don't know if it was a call in, but can you please share the ACTS acronym way of praying that you shared last week? Of course I can. <laughs> I enjoyed last week's show, by the way, um, and I would encourage you to to um, to listen into it. You can find it. It's been it's been podcast. It is available on rono.fm. Um, the, the, this particular question comes in from Vusi. Um, Vusi, the X acronym was uh, X, which is adoration, uh, and then the C in X is confession. The T in X is thanksgiving, and the S in X is supplication. Let me explain to you what each one of those mean in the acronym. Um, I've been praying like this for years. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sure at youth I was taught this acronym, X, and just keep that acronym, X, in your mind. X, when you begin to pray and you open up, uh, as you think of X, you think of the A and you think of adoration. You open up by adoring God for who He is and for what He has done. I say who He is and what He has done, um, because as we read the Psalms, often um, when when we read Psalms of adoration, they include those two aspects, not just God's personhood, but also the things that God has done, either in history or in your own personal life. You start by adoring God. Let me give you some examples of adoring God in prayer. Um, God, uh, in light of Psalm 145, you might say, God, you are good. Um, you are great, sorry, because the word great is repeated three times. You are great. You are awesome. You are wonderful and you are without equal. And you are infinite because I just read that at the end of Psalm 145. And you might dwell on the greatness of God and on the infiniteness of God for a while. You might dwell on the person of God. You are Lord. You are Yahweh. You are a covenant-keeping God. You might dwell on on aspects of God's attributes that come to mind or you might dwell on the work of God God I've seen your hand move in my life and I want to give you praise and thanks for it because you are worthy or I've seen your hand move in the life of our country sparing us from bloodshed and harm or I've seen your hand move in the nation of Israel over many years or I know that your hand will move in all the nations of the earth as you gather a people to yourself from every tribe and tongue and nation The bottom line is you're focusing at the beginning of Acts on this idea of adoring God for who he is. And you're taking that out of plenty of scriptures where God is adored at the beginning of prayers. The second part of that acronym is confession. And the reason why we confess our sins is because we are such a sinful lot. Confessing your sins is a a useful um, a- action to engage with, particularly at the beginning of prayers. Uh, often it's our guilt which which breaks our relational um, joy with God. And so, um, yeah, uh, confess your sins. I, I read in the Psalms of the psalmist um, praying 
praying with holy hands lifted up to God. So often we don't have holy hands. So often we have sinned against God in thought and word and deed and things that we have left undone. And we bear guilt and we bear some kind of relational severance, breakage between us and God. Um, and so confess our sins. We know according to the New Testament, that God is faithful and just and will forgive us of all unrighteousness. And so confess our sins, knowing that God forgives us our sins through the person of, his, of, his, uh, through the person of Jesus Christ. Once we've adored, we think of that acronym ACTS, Adoration Confession. Once we've adored God, once we've confessed our sins, give thanks to God for what he has done. Don't just go straight to asking God for stuff. Thank God. He's done so much in your life. Um, a roof over your head, food in your belly, people who love you, um, a ministry, um, a job, um, uh, clothes. <laughs> There's so much that you can give thanks to God, that you woke up after a good night's sleep, uh, that you have life, that you have people who care for you. Um, the, we give thanks to God because we recognize that everything that we have comes from Him. He is the first cause of every good effect in our lives. And so we thank God for what he gives and for what he has done. Um, and and spend time rejoicing um, in God's personal provision and God's personal care for you. This is a wise action to do um, because God is a good God and you've experienced his goodness even in your own life. So as you pray to him, I pray particularly at night as I lie in bed and close off my my, my day, I pray prayers of adoration and confession and thanksgiving and then I get to supplication and, and I use the same format uh, in, in my morning prayers. Uh, and at night I have a couple of lists that I pray for as we come to prayers of supplication. Now supplication is just a big scary word for asking God for things. P prayers of petition and prayers of supplication. After you've adored God, after you've confessed your sins, after you've thanked God for what he has given you, friends it's wise to ask God for your needs. And Jesus, as he taught his disciples to pray, what did he say to them? Um, pray to God. Ask him for your daily bread. Um, uh, the bottom line is everything that you have comes from God and everything that you need will come from God too. And so so pray to God. You don't pray to God because you're wanting to bend his arm. You want to convince him um, that he should give you something. You're not speaking things into being when you're praying. Those are all heresies that belong in different in different uh, uh, religions. When we pray to God, we're really desiring to align our will to his. But we pray to God as children. Pray to their father. Um, you know, my, my children come to me and ask me for things all the time. Sometimes they're things as needful as, Dad, I'm hungry. Would you make a sandwich for me, particularly when they're young? Sometimes they're things as complex as, Dad, um, you know, I, I need a new cell phone because I need to communicate or I need to do homework or whatever other <laughs> reasons kids give to try and get their parents <laughs> to get them a new phone. Um, but the bottom line is I'm in relationship with my children. I love them. They love me. And so when they're in need, I'm their first port of call. They come and they make their requests known to me. So too, our Father who is in heaven desires to hear our prayers of supplication. When we think of acts and praying acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving and supplication, we're making known to our Father the kinds of things that we need in this world. And so we pray. Now, 
just one recommendation when you pray prayers of supplication don't start off by praying for prayers for yourself start off by praying for prayers for other people pray for your family pray for your pastors and for those who teach you at church pray for your president and for your country and for those in government and pray for people who are sick and in need in your sphere and then finally pray for yourself and when you pray for yourself lay your prayers before God and remember what you have prayed for because friends too often we ask God for things and he responds to our prayers and then we never give him thanks and praise for the ways that he has answered can you remember can you imagine your child asking you for something whether big or small and you don't say thank you for it I mean you know you make a sandwich for your child that's a relatively small thing takes you a few minutes but at the end of making the sandwich what do you expect your child to say well from a young age you teach them to say thank you because not only is that polite that's part of the relational realities that 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 we have uh, as relational beings so too as you pray to god and as you ask him for things uh, remember the kinds of things that you've asked him for so that you can give him thanks um as he answers your prayers in whatever way he might now Jean, um, I thank you for your question. Vusi, uh, you marked it anonymous after you gave your name. It's very difficult <laughs> to be anonymous on questions um, uh, if the, the anonymous part comes right at the very end. But thanks for your question. Really appreciate it. Uh, I hope that uh, you will remember ACTS, write down A-C-T-S, write down Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. And I hope that that enriches your personal prayer life, that you pray to God and that uh, and even as he hears your prayers, God is glorified. I want to wheel spin through a couple more questions. We've got a couple of questions coming in. Gene, thank you so much. Uh, I see your comments. I see uh, Lars comments. I see Michael's comments. Um, I, I see other folk uh, just uh commenting in in terms of uh, the interactions uh, thank you for all of those um Teresa, maybe we can close with you brother greetings last week you mentioned a whole night of prayer please explain in detail exactly how that looks like yes Teresa, you attend a great church and i have no doubt that you guys have half nights or whole nights of prayers from time to time if not maybe you should suggest a leadership it would be a great idea this was my experience of of our whole night of prayer and please folks this isn't prescriptive this is just um, a description of the way our church prayed through the night I attend uh, I attend Central Baptist Church um, in Pretoria we met at one of our campuses we had about a hundred people who came um, for the night of prayer uh, we gathered together we sat in a circle which is not our normal practice if we're a hundred generally we'll sit in kind of like rows um, but this was uh, it wasn't a normal corporate gathering it was a gathering specifically for prayer and so we sat in in a circle um, so that we could hear each other and face each other and uh, and pray together uh, we started we divided the entire evening it started at 10 o'clock I stand corrected uh, it was a couple of weeks ago now but um, I think we started at 10 o'clock and we prayed to s till 6 o'clock so 8 hours of prayer and each one of those hours we divided into an hour chunk we started each hour with a with a song of worship um, in fact the songs I think were all hymns they were all rich in theological content that could drive our prayers of adoration which would then flow out of the hymn we then had about 
five minutes of teaching after we sang a song. Um, the five minutes of teaching was about one attribute of God. And so we walked, we worked through attributes of God, his immutability, an attribute we don't often talk about, that God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. We spoke about the power of God. We spoke about the um, presence of God. We spoke about the omniscience of God, that he's all-knowing. We spoke about, and so we worked through various different attributes of God. Each elder um, took a five-minute teaching slot. We, in fact, the groups were so large, and, and we have a number of elders, that, that we needed to split into multiple groups during the course of the evening and have one elder teaching in one location and another elder leading and teaching prayer in another location uh, just in order to to um, have more teaching opportunities and more diversity I guess um, and so five minutes of teaching uh, uh, I, I said uh, one song um, and then after that each hour we had a specific item that we prayed for during that hour we had an hour where we prayed prayers of confession we had an hour where we prayed prayers specifically of adoration. We had an hour where we prayed prayers specifically of thanksgiving, thanking God for what he has done in the life of our local church, in our city, and in, and in our lives as individuals. We had an hour where we pray, prayed for revival in the city of Pretoria, that God would shake churches and pulpits and believers, and that we would hear testimony of men and women coming to faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior and ever greater measure um, you know there's a sense that we are experiencing mercy drops but for showers we're pleading and so we prayed for revival in our city we prayed for our country we prayed for South Africa we prayed for our president Cyril Ramaphosa we prayed for uh, all spheres of government in actual fact we prayed for our two ward councillors I contacted them uh, on that Friday and told them that we'd be praying for them and asked them how we could pray for them I think that's ward 92 which is where the one and ward I'm going to guess at 73 or whatever it is um, but we prayed for our ward councillors we prayed um, for our church, for the ministries in our church, for the leadership of our church, for our pastors and for our elders uh, and for our Bible study leaders and for our missionaries. Um, each hour was divided, had specific areas that we prayed in. Now the prayers weren't corporately led by the pastor you know so one person stands up and prays for an hour that might have been a little bit monotonous particularly in the wee hours of the morning instead what happened was uh, people respectfully kept their prayers to about a minute maybe a minute and a half possibly one or two wandered into the into the danger area of two minutes um but person prayed after person prayed after person prayed and at the end of a person praying as a congregation we corporately responded with a hearty amen um it was it was a wild time of prayer man it was so wonderful in fact the 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 prayers were were so uh, came at such a rapid pace that even at half past three in the morning you had to work hard if you wanted to pray out loud because folk were just praying one after the other constantly through the night um, and that went on through the night. We we, we did have coffee on tap at uh, so, so there was there were urns of coffee uh, available the whole way through the night. Some folk uh, uh, pot took of uh, of the of the ground beans and uh, thereby stayed awake other people I, I paced a lot well I drank a bit of coffee but I paced a lot particularly from four o'clock to six o'clock um, at the back uh, just to keep the blood moving um, it was it was a wonderful time of prayer and and we had 
folk from from the whole spectrum um in terms of the diversity of our congregation we are we are black and white and every color of the rainbow in between we look like a box of smarties in terms of uh, of our demographics but we had old and young um the whole church was there and it was it truly truly was a wonderful time together with god's people um scripture and a question i see we have just a little bit of time thank you guys so much uh for um for your questions Teresa. i'm not going to get your questions i see that there is a question that is related to the to the trinity it comes in from um i'm going to say mr p and it is related to colossians chapter 2 verse 9 and 10 colossians chapter 2 verse 9 and 10 the question simply is um can you explain it uh, in relation to the trinity turns out that i'm busy studying through colossians chapter 2 myself i've been doing so for a number of years if you go um right now mr p to um uh to uh, pastor mark penrith on facebook uh, so if you type in pastor mark penrith on facebook i will within the next hour um publish my present notes on the book of colossians uh to um that facebook page and so you'll see in detail um my work on colossians chapter 2 uh, on that facebook page but in colossians chapter 2 verse 9 it says for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily and you have been filled in him who's the head of all rule and authority um just absolutely amazing this idea of the fullness of deity dwelling in bodily form um in jesus christ i i I do think that in colossians chapter 2 um paul is um is referring to the same idea that we see in the book of john chapter one uh, again we have this idea of dwelling in bodily form uh, in john chapter one in john chapter one we read uh, the following uh, we read in verse uh, let's see uh, verse 14 and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory glory as of the only son from the father full of grace and truth this, this idea of jesus um dwelling and the fullness of day dwelling in him uh, yeah would be an interpretation certainly of john chapter 14 uh, mr p um uh, is this uh, the word dwell in john chapter 14 is a uh, is the same greek word which is translated as tent in the septuagint um this idea of tabernacle and when you think of the tent and you think of the tabernacle immediately your mind swings to what we call the shekinah glory of god um the idea of the presence the actual manifest presence of god in the wilderness in the in the tabernacle well in john chapter 1 verse 14 um john seems to be um implying that that jesus dwelt among us in much the same way as god in the old testament had dwelt had tabernacled had tented amongst his people so too now jesus the word made flesh has dwelt among us as we go to colossians chapter 
um, chapter 2 verse 9 we, we get that that picture again uh, that the fullness of deity dwells in Jesus Christ if you want to know where God is you find Jesus Jesus said I am the way that again I'm appealing to John Jesus said I'm the way the truth and the life no man comes to the Father but through me if you want to access God you must go through the person of Jesus Christ because he is Emmanuel God with us he is the manifest presence of God he is the full representation of God obviously our minds then again in the same light skip across to Hebrews chapter 1 and Hebrews chapter 2 in Hebrews chapter 1 long ago at many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets but in these last days he has spoken to us by his son whom he has appointed heir of all things through whom he has also created the world he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature and he upholds the universe by the power of his word as we talk about just the awesomeness of Jesus Christ God with us um, it is an almighty thought and one well worth hitting the pause button on uh, this week I do see a number of other questions have come in regarding um, uh, Mr. P <laughs> uh, from Mr. P I will engage with you either on WhatsApp or we will kick off next week's show uh, with your questions as they are articulated guys I do want to say thank you so much for joining us this Friday I enjoy being with you each Friday I enjoy thinking through God's word together with you each Friday each Friday after the show um, my prayers do go out to elders and to deacons who hold the line in local churches recognizing how difficult that job can be as well as to our missionaries who we have sent out to foreign fields who serve in foreign fields sent by churches in South Africa our prayers and much respect goes out each week to first responders to the police in our nation to the defense force into our nation and to those who dispense justice to firefighters as well as paramedics and our nation's nurses and medical personnel as well as to correctional facility officers serving our country all across uh, South Africa you have been listening to table talk with me your mark your, your mark <laughs> with me your host mark we are going to be going to news now and so until next week Friday walk wisely Live holy and testify zealously. God bless.